here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative, and we're doing something a little different today. We are recording a joint podcast with another local business who also has a podcast, and they also happen to be Cherryland members. So our favorite kind of local business is a Cherryland member. Um, for those of you who haven't listened to Cherryland's podcast before, uh, we've had the podcast for a few years. It's called Co-op Energy Talk. And we record about once a month, and we discuss everything from state, national, and local energy issues to get to know our employees to what's it like to be a lineman, so all kinds of different kind of energy topics. Um, if that sounds like your jam, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, and the Cherryland website. So I'm joined, as usual today, by our general manager, Tony Anderson. Hey, Tony. Good afternoon. And our co-podcasting crew from Great Lakes Stainless, and I'll let them introduce themselves, but maybe, Mike, do you want to kick us off and let us know about kind of Great Lakes Stainless and what you guys do? And Sure, yep. So I'm Michael DeBrine, so um, president at Great Lakes Stainless. We are located in the Cherryland service area over uh, kind of by Menards and um, over towards Trump's Corner, and so we're a manufacturer. We do... Um, Stainless steel cabinets uh, through dealer networks, those primarily go into hospitals and operating rooms. We do serving counters. We do work in airports um, as far as, like, ticket counters and decorative metals and um, flight information displays. And we've been doing a lot more decorative metals work. We do some mill work. So we kind of have uh, uh, quite a few capabilities in-house. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we get to work with a really talented crew, a couple of which are here today. So... Paul, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. First, I want to make sure that this is my water, because I, li <laughs> I like you, but not that much. Yes. No, mine, oh, mine, is, great. mine is right here. Okay, good. Yeah, no, this is uh, Paul Campana, and uh, as uh, Mike said, uh, we do a lot with custom metals, decorative metals, and we also have millwork. Um, me specifically, my uh, blessed title is Critical Account Manager and Materials Control, uh, and uh, I also am involved in the podcast we do at Great Lakes Stainless, so I've got my fingers in a bunch of stuff. Um, the podcast and, is called? Uh, oh, man. You, <laughs> you caught me on that one. Very good. The podcast is called Mirror Finish, and it's uh, available just like Cherryland's podcast on pretty much any platform out there. Definitely check it out. Uh, but I know none of it could be possible without the man to my right, Travis. Hey. Yeah, you. <laughs> Is that my is that my go? Yeah, that's your cue. I'm sorry, I'm horrible <laughs> at this. Uh, my name is Travis Dalloway. I'm the director of business development at Great Lakes Stainless. So I do a lot with working with our customers, um, recruiting new customers, as well as our social media website and everything like that. So usually I'm kind of the first point of contact. So if you uh, if you email info at Great Lakes Stainless, chances are it's me replying. You're the man behind that curtain. Yeah. Yep. Somebody, the the wizard. The, yeah, the wizard. Yeah, all complaints to. Travis. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> right. well, Everybody long, needs a yeah. good laugh. We'll post his cell phone under this <laughs> yeah. podcast when we put it up, so you're welcome. How long have you all been there? Because you're all pretty young looking compared to me. Um, Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and people can't see you, so. Sure. Uh, I've, well, I've been there, I think, April 13th of 2015. Okay. Uh, and actually, Travis kind of brought me I here did. because we both worked at another place, and he left about a little less than a year before. Mm-hmm. And he, I remember I was actually, we were in refinancing a mortgage and talking about employment when he texted me and says, hey man, are you still looking for another job? <laughs> I said, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because I had, I delivered your last paycheck 
Yes, you did. And dropped off <laughs> my resume, and Mike <laughs> took me yes, for a tour. That's right. I remember that. Yep. So, yeah, yeah that's kind of how it came to be, yeah. Yeah. So, I've, yeah, I've been there about a year longer than Paul. Uh, 2014 is when I started, and I actually started as a welder and moved into the assembly department doing wiring, welding, and then eventually into estimating, and then sales, and just... Welding to podcasting. That's yeah, right. Welding to podcasting. <laughs> similar. Yeah, it's yeah. the exact same thing. <laughs> same skill set for yeah. sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I've been there since uh, July of two thousand six. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do feel like I should just say, just because you guys make the flight display boards, doesn't mean you're responsible for anything. <laughs> That's that said, correct. Right? That's yep. correct. Uh, that's absolutely it. Yep. Okay. I'm just making sure, because otherwise this is podcasting get over really fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sure. <laughs> Um, So one of the interesting connections between our two organizations is that Cherryland has a zero-interest loan program that we've um, used throughout the years to help local businesses, and you all have been one of the recipients of one of our loans. So, I don't Mm -hmm. know, Tony, do you want to maybe just explain the loan program a little bit? Sure. Um, We started, well, before my time, I've been at Cherryland 16 years, but before that, we did a, a water project with Blair and set up some revolving loan funds. Built them a water sewer system. They paid that money back, and we've been lending that out. We've we've built it up by buying a couple of fire trucks with Grand Traverse Metro. Long story short, we have $1.2 million in loan funds, which we revolve through the community. Zero interest for up to 10 years. Some loans are five, but the maximum of 10. And essentially, we ask a business to create one job for every 20000 borrowed. And we've done $3.6 million in loans. In the last 15 years and you guys like we don't need to talk about what size you got but mm-hmm. uh, it's been a couple of years now I think yeah or? yep what, yeah, was, what was your loan for you um, that was for some expansion we were running our, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. our offices that had been built out into the um, into the into the shop you know basically they were inside the manufacturing space so uh, we were out of room in the office we were out of room in the shop so we tore those out to free up shop space and built a bigger um, bigger office to accommodate some of the expansion and growth um, you know we were both having and anticipating so it was really valuable to help uh, help us expand right there you know in ground in the chairland area um, and be able to create jobs and opportunities uh, you know in this how many jobs area. did you create and uh how many overall jobs do you have at Great Lakes Stainless? Well, my personal masseuse wouldn't have been possible. <laughs> that loan, so I, I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to read those. Resp- <laughs> I'm going to have to actually read those expense reports, apparently. But, I'm, I'm going to have to come over and do an inspection. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so we have probably added, uh, since we did that, probably between seven to ten jobs, yeah. which puts us at about, uh, you know, depending on um, – I don't know exactly where we're at, but we're right around 65, mm-hmm. between 65 and 70, so employees. So what kinds yeah. of growth do you guys see kind of on your horizon when you look out, you know, three, five, seven years from now? Um, well, our goal is to grow uh, revenues anyway, um, which also uh, generally means growing employment between 10 and 20% a year. So we don't want to fall too far below 10%, uh, but we found that going more than 20% can be not very fun either so uh that's that's kind of where we set our targets so um you know we hope over the next three to five years to you know hopefully add another 15 to 25 employees and the associated revenue and products for it so do you have the space to do that where you're at now do you think um yeah i think we do have the space uh depending on the projects uh 
you know, some of the stuff we build is pretty large. And I mean, we've got a bar in there right now that we're setting up for the Saginaw Casino. And that thing takes up a very large amount of space. Yeah. I mean, it's this huge, huge bar. We did a casino down at Gun Lake. Um, even though we have a pretty good sized shop, about 50,000 square feet of manufacturing space, um, we still don't have room to set up the whole 110 feet of that buffet line. No. Uh, wow. And once that, we kind of had to set it up in two different sections. So some of the stuff we build is, is really big. Um, but generally, we can cycle those through pretty quickly. Um, we're running two shifts now. We start a small second shift, so that helps helps us uh, utilize the space to the best of our ability. So we, we plan on staying there for, for the foreseeable future and should be able to accommodate our growth. So, How big is your sales force? Because you have uh, business customers all across the country. Yep. How do you find them, and how many people do you have out beating the bushes to find new customers? Uh, Travis just does a great job. He's working really hard, so it's, <laughs> that's, that's it. We do have uh, we do have just an incredibly. He, need, he needs a bigger title. Then. Needs, yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Um, so Travis is the one. He's out on the road uh, doing that. Um, but we have we're fortunate to have just truly outstanding, experienced estimating staff who's really able to, you know, once Travis opens the door and gets them in, he can hand them off pretty confidently to any one of our estimators who, like I said, very experienced, really know it, that, and the customers can tell that right away. So, um, um, you know, we we saw an opportunity to market in some of these decorative metals, um, where you know the customers seemed to be quite frankly overjoyed that we were willing to even bid on the stuff that they had. Uh, so we put together a little program, and Travis executed it, and it was uh, it was quite successful as far as opening up a new market for us um, across the country. We're working on, uh, you know, we just delivered stuff to New York today. That's going to do a Wells Fargo offices in downtown New York City. We got the contracts for some projects for hotels in um, Florida, down in Miami. We're doing some yeah, work Miami, down there. Fort, yep. Fort Lauderdale area. Fort Lauderdale. Um, so yeah, we 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 are. Uh, Taking our taking our products and shipping them nationally, and taking some of you know money from out of the state right. and uh, into our community, which is um, you know which I'm pretty proud of. Who puts it together when it arrives in New York or Nashville? Um, that would be our customers. Generally, we're furnished only. We don't do okay. much install work. Okay. Um, you know, we get a warranty team that'll go out on the road occasionally, take care of issues, but we don't install. That's our customers. They're responsible for the installation. We'll fabricate it and you know work with them on the design and send instructions on how it goes together sure. but then they have install crews that that install yeah. it on all these sites so you you said something about that these customers are just ecstatic that you're willing to bid the projects is that because you have have unique capabilities or is there just not a lot of other um kind of high quality organizations out there willing to take on decorative I metal projects it's probably a it? combination of u- unique capabilities and poor judgment so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know they're not they're not easy you know so some of it's fairly high risk i mean you're working with patinas and some of these Hmm. very expensive base metals you know i mean they solid brass and i mean if you ruin one i mean these things can be some of the stuff that we've seen i mean the material itself is you know 80 to 100 dollars a lineal foot for some of this you know thick heavy brass bar so mistakes are expensive and that so that risk level is high so that that thends out the people who are willing to take it on when there's Lots of other work, and they don't have to. They're like, no thanks. So, and just the size of the scope too. You mm-hmm. know, the rather large jobs where there's there's a lot of people that can do, you know, they they can work with these base metals, but it's on a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of these projects that we're bidding and we're working on are, are large projects. And so, it it takes a company, you know, similar to ours with several employees, and that has the resources to be able to put together a project that big. What's your best mistake story? Mine personally? <laughs> well, not in your personal life, but I'm thinking, what metal oh, did you man. mess up and 
Did you have a hundred foot of brass somewhere? And I mean, if it's family appropriate, yeah. you need to go with the personal <laughs> yeah, yeah, example yeah. you can. Yeah. But huh. yeah. yeah, we've had. Uh, well, you're, you're sitting around having beers, and you talk about. Well, you remember that one time when we did X? Yeah, some of them. Well, we're just dealing with one right now where we did a patina finish and put it into a commercial setting. Um, I mean, I mean, it looked good. The customer loved it when it got there, but now it's it's uh, actually peeling off. So that's something oh, really. Yeah. So that's one of those that's one of those wrist things where you know. Tell them it's antique patina. Antique, yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 a it's double patina. Yeah, so no, we, you, that's you tough because you don't have the opportunity to test how it's going to age in the environment you're going right. to install it in. Yeah, so, yep. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, correct. And a lot of times they want the stuff to look old right away and. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like you wanted something new that looked old, so here you go. <laughs> yeah. It looks le- legitimately old. Mm-hmm. No, it's seen, it's seen life. Yeah. <laughs> so conversely, what's your the uh, project you're most proud of the last five years? Mm. Remember we got those uh, well, those big subway signs up to New York, like in record time? Yeah, yeah. that one that was, was a really a good, good one. one. Yeah, we did uh, some information displays for, uh, was it 2nd Avenue the or 2nd Land second, Line? Yep, the new 2nd yeah. Avenue subway. They, they came in, and uh, I think it was in less than four weeks we had to – design, fabricate, and deliver a bunch of really big, either built-in or freestanding stainless steel um, information displays uh, for the 2nd Avenue subway. And they got there, and they loved them. They said, wow, these are beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turned out really good. pulled it off, yeah, in a and fabulously short amount of time. And now all of our listeners, when you're in New York, you have to go to <laughs> exactly. the, go take Second a selfie Avenue. in front of the 2nd Avenue subway <laughs> sign and tag yep. all of us. Yes, we'll, exactly. That's right. Yeah. You can't miss them. They're big, huge stainless and glass uh, things with all the posters and information in them. Yeah. So. Who knew they our, made our it Our listeners here. also don't need to plan ahead because apparently four weeks is enough time to build anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, they, they paid pretty pretty handsomely for the privilege <laughs> yeah. of getting those things. Yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> In four weeks, let me tell you. So time has a price. Correct, yes. Well, I feel like we've dominated with questions about what you guys do, but I'm sure that energy issues kind of are things you... I've listened to some of your podcasts. I've even listened to the one where you guys were talking about solar. Oh, good. I can't Mm. remember an employee who was maybe taking some classes. Yeah, Skylar. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Skylar. That's right. So I I would assume that you have a question or two for us about energy issues. Well, I mean, for me, I'm a trailer and customer personally as well, and uh, I was really interested in the solar He'd like program. to talk about his bill from December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gl- yeah. I'm so glad that you guys had us on, because I got a bone to pick. As long as you have your lights on right now, yeah. we can talk right. about it. Um, so, but I'm very interested in getting solar at my house, and for anyone else that's interested in that, what's the process and the steps to initiate that? Well, if you want to put the panels actually on your house, that's our net metering program. Okay. And so you, you would see a number of, uh, there, there's a wide range of number of local installers. We can get you a list of local re- reputable I- installers and uh, start with them, get a price from them, and then talk to us about how it's going to integrate in your present load. And any energy you put on the grid that you don't use inside your house, uh, we pay 5.6 cents for. So our net medium program really incentivizes you to use the energy inside your home where you can save 12 cents a kilowatt hour. Okay. And so that's what we try to work with you. Here's your load, and here's about an average solar system and uh, to take care of that load. And obviously there's going to be times when you're gone or whatnot where there will be excess on the grid. And that's some of the math you have to do to... uh, figure out your return. So net metering is really simple. We do have community solar where if you don't want to mess with 
holes in your roof or you have trees in your yard, you can buy into a community solar panel at $600 each. And those are no, 335-watt panels in our community solar array that's currently sitting over by uh, Wolverine Power Cooperative's office on M55 by Cadillac. So that's, that's an option, too, and that goes directly on your bill. And those are our two best options. You know, if you mm -hmm. want to go bigger and just, we call it buy-all, sell-all, if you want to go up to 100 kW and just push it all out onto the grid, we have a program for that as well, and that's okay. six and a half cents. None of that goes into your house. You just push it all to us, and we'll pay you six and a half cents for it. Okay. So that's like the people you see, they have like an acre or two of solar mm -hmm. panels, like in a field beside their house. That's that. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll call it buy all, sell all. Okay. Or BASA. Okay. Nice. So, and we do offer some rebates as well. But the biggest thing is figuring out what your load profile in your home looks like. And if you, mm. if you do that right, that will answer the question of what should I build or which, which of those programs makes the most sense for me. Where people tend to get into trouble is they don't look at the low profile of their home. Mm. And then they make assumptions that don't end up being true at the end of the month when they look at their bill. Okay. Or they, or they talk to a, a dealer or an installer who says, well, it's going to produce X amount and you'll, your returns, you're going to get paid back in eight years. And that's not always the case, you know, because they may be calculating a, a 12 cent return and we're actually at 5.6. You know, you, you got to get the math right. Sure. To your, to your knowledge of any of your customers, do you know of any of the customers have actually, because I was interested, um, you know, Tesla has these home batteries, which mm -hmm. seems to make some sense. So you can really use all your power when you're right. generating that extra power, you can actually store it and then, you know, handle some of your peak loads. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you guys uh, have seen any customers do that. I, I would imagine it's a fairly rare thing still across the country. We don't have anyone with a power wall right now. Okay. That, that we're aware of. Okay. Um, but the... that is certainly the other kind of element floating around out here, right, is that the, the calculation becomes different once you add in your own battery backup. But what we're talking about today always starts with the assumption that your backup is the grid. Yeah. And that's where kind of making sure what your low pro profile is, makes, is yeah. so important. Um, battery prices are coming down, but they're not to the level yet where we're seeing any movement at all. The Tesla Powerwall battery, I think, is over $3,000. And on the average home... It's going to light you up for maybe an hour, two if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. So, so people people get this thing like, well, I'll get one Tesla, bat, you know, power wall. It looks really cool. I right. hang it on my wall, and then I'm set. Well, you're set for about <laughs> sixty minutes, or so. and then yeah. if you want to use a lot, you're set for less. You need multiple. They can be uh, sure daisy chain to get together. Uh, for another three thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. yeah it's a, it's a good product. It's just an expensive product right now. And we have a lot of solar installers, and what do we have, 80 net metering accounts, 90, something like maybe, that? Yeah. 90 net metering accounts, and very few of them have batteries. Sure. Very, very few. Now, on a, on a commercial, I mean, I think we might have talked about this a little bit on the, um, and I've never really talked about it, but as a commercial customer, we pay a fairly low rate, but um, we pay a very, like, half of our bill sometimes is mm -hmm. our demand, demand charges, right. which... Um, you know, hopefully, I'll, I'll I'll make an attempt to explain it, and then you can correct you can, you can correct my explanation. <laughs> right. But my understanding of the demand charges is um, that is the cost for Cherryland to be prepared to meet the highest demand I have for I think it's a fifteen minute period or yes, something like that's that. Correct. That's correct. That, that fifteen exactly. period is between seven and seven a.m. and seven fifteen. Mm -hmm. We fire up all the you know. Uh, yeah. 
40 horsepower vacuum pump and a yeah. 70 horsepower, you know, hydraulic motor on the brake press. Those things all kick on. Right. And, you know, all of a sudden Cherry lands, you know, running around pushing buttons. I just picture just total panic over here. Pushing <laughs> buttons, levers, ramping sure up buttons. at your levers, oh, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. dials. And... Actually, if we do our job right, there, there's no panic. Yes, we no, I'm, I'm sure, I'm there's, sure. There's a transformer sitting somewhere outside your uh, building that's its size for that load. Yes, uh-huh. yep. And it's, it's size for that peak load. And Absolutely. then when, when you're not at peak, it's just sitting there doing nothing, just waiting. So you, you're, you're paying to have that ability to, to go as high as you need to um, because we have the investment in that equipment to do that. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's no, why no. if we could, a second shift is really great because that's using that transformer more and it's using it during some off-peak times. So yep. and, and we, even we, though we, we like second shift a lot. Sure, yeah, around. yeah, right. I was I was surprised too because we participated in a program uh, through Cherryland. You had a rebate for motion sensors and all the lights in the shop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, it saves power because I could never find all the light switches in the right. fifty thousand square feet. <laughs> I mean, other times yep. I just gave up and left. I'm like, well, it'll be on till tomorrow. That's yeah, probably not. Well, we'd like that too. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was I surprised because we have some pretty high load, um, you know, equipment that we yep. use. Um, and the lights are fairly efficient. They're either the T5 uh, efficient mm-hmm. fluorescence or LEDs. But the, we saw there was a noticeable drop in our in our power yeah. bill by putting those motion That's sensors cool. yeah. uh, that, on. That, that was a gift from Governor Granholm. We, we have a mandate to conserve 1% of our prior year sales. Mm-hmm. It was originally called the Energy Optimization Program. Now it's the Energy Waste Reduction Program. But... We're the only business in the state of Michigan incentivized to sell less of our product. <laughs> <laughs> take your sales, take your last year's sales and reduce them by 1%. And, and tell me that done. <laughs> yeah. We have to do that on an annual basis. Wow. And it, it benefits the customer. It saves energy, so it is good. I make light of it. it it's somewhat time-consuming and an administrative hassle to get that all done. But we've successfully done that for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and all but. kinds of projects like that where someone has seen immediate savings, which is obviously mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the goal. But yeah. when you were talking about your demand charge, the thing I was thinking about kind of when whether it's solar or batteries, like an opportunity there is for us to work with, let's say, a commercial member and say, if we do battery is there a way that we can use batteries That's where to I was help going. Sh- shave down your demand? Because of that, I only need I can drain those batteries in 15 minutes, and it yep. achieves significant cost savings, and uh, you know lessens what you need to be prepared to deliver to me, you know, because we all just take for granted. You throw that switch on and it yeah. starts up, you know. I mean, I that vacuum pump is 40 horsepower. That draws, uh, what does it draw? So it's something like 48 amps at 480 volts. I sure. Mean, yeah. Three-phase. That is a significant piece of equipment. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to yeah. take it for granted that you just flip that switch and it comes on every time. Yeah. Uh, there has to be some serious... Um, you know, infrastructure behind it in yeah. order to generate that kind and of And there power. is, but that's the that's the math that needs to be done in the battery world. Sure. Can, can you get that battery set up and make it pay? Right, right. So, but, yeah. The, the possibility is certainly there. Now, you were talking about, you know, every year you're supposed to reduce, was it 1%? Mm-hmm. 1% it? of the prior year sales. Now, uh, Cherryland is nonprofit, is that correct? Yep. Okay, so for uh, a power company that is for-profit, how would something like that be sustainable? How would they make up that lost revenue year after year? Should we talk about rate basing? Yeah. So they get to they get to get a return on their investment in their energy waste reduction. They they get to build into their rate structure a return. And in addition to that, it creates uh, re- the way that the law was originally written. You could charge people on their bill for energy waste reduction. 
use that money to pay partially for administrative cost, sure. whatever they may be, and then um, also invest in energy waste reduction. So it's created a, fun, a revenue stream, and they're able to get a rate of return. Yeah. Okay. We don't yeah. charge the rate. Right. So we, so we <coughs> pay for our energy waste reduction program out of our general fund. We budget for it yeah. annually. Um, but the other piece that's a little different, you kind of point out we're not-for-profit. We've actually already always done this. We've had an energy use advisor on staff since at least the 70s, mm-hmm. who would c- come into people's homes and help them figure out how to meet their energy goals, whatever that might to be. To not waste energy. Sure. Yep. Yeah. We, um, want, we want to sell it, but we don't want to waste it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Key yeah. is efficiency. Yeah. yeah. So we've always done that. And so when the as, the, as we kind of got through the initial implementation of our state-mandated program, we eventually just decided to not charge people on the bill handle this like we always have, which is just the right thing to do to mm-hmm. have someone on staff to do that. But it's still a bunch of staff time spent tracking kilowatt hours that only exist on spreadsheets. And what would be really cool is if all that staff time could actually be in the field working with members to meet their energy goals, right? So that's the, sure. that's the trade-off of having it be state-mandated as opposed to what we always did as a not-for-profit cooperative. Yeah, if you have a house on Cherryland, I can send you or hand you a, a sack of LED bulbs today. And I can go to my spreadsheet and get credit for that under the EO program or EWR program. Okay. But I don't know where you screwed those light bulbs in at, and I don't know how long those light bulbs are on. That's mm-hmm. one of the flaws in the program. Uh, it, it's not perfect. Okay. So a... you've now got a stack of LED bulbs that you may not right. screw in anywhere for five years, but I just took credit as an energy reduction this year. Okay. There's that lack of uh, accountability, I guess, to the end user. Like they, like there's, you said, you don't there's know. No way. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's no way. To I check. don't have time to be bugging no. you every day. Where, <laughs> yeah, no. Where's light bulb A I gave you? Did you put it in your closet or yeah. your living room? Sure. Yeah. And then you got guys like Mike walking around shutting them off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's one reason I like you know the, um, the podcast format so much because how many people would really know? about that. And mm-hmm. I think power companies are, you know, one thing that's been, you know, it's almost a, a punchline. They're vilified. And mm-hmm. when people, it's something when everything's going right, nobody notices. But when something right. goes bad, everybody's up in arms. Like I know people that, uh, you know, the power goes out for whatever reason, and they're just irate on the phone. And it's like, do you really think that they're just sitting around while the power is out, yeah. not doing anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's people with families out, literally risking their lives, probably in inclement weather. So you Most can, often, yeah. yeah so yeah. you, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you know, watch Netflix or something. So right. I, I just, yeah. so I, th- I think it's really nice that people see the other, the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I've been with Cherryland for seven years this year, and the thing that strikes me is how personally everyone who works here takes it when the power is out like there's a lot of personal pride in what we do and so no no one here takes it no one here is more upset about the power being out than those of us who take really seriously the fact that that's our job um but i also uh, used to manage our facebook i don't anymore because the wonderful rob marsh handles that on our behalf (laughs) producer rob yes but um i saw exactly what you're describing which was this kind of immediate um very very angry reaction and if you really look at the numbers, most people may go 15 years and have a single power outage. And that's how intolerant <laughs> yeah. we've become. Like, yeah. we're mm-hmm. so, we're doing, we do such a good job that we don't know how to, li- 
to live without power for more than a, you know, oh, an yeah. hour. And at the same time, you can also see if you look throughout our service territory, we kind of joke, but there are certain parts where they're clearly hardier stock because their lights go <laughs> off and they'll wait 24 hours and be like, hey, I'm sure you guys are already on this, but just want to <laughs> check in. And then you have other parts of our service territory where it's... Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. really, that's interesting. Yeah. In, in the 1950s, we used to get postcards of my power's out, you know. Their power would go out on the farm. They'd, they'd write a letter or a postcard to the co-op and mail it to let them know. Not that I was around <laughs> in 1950s. Tell us more about I, that I'm old, old but <laughs> every co-op has a story about the, the guy who, oh. when they got a postcard from a farmer or a rancher, that their power was out. Because yeah. they were used to not having power in those days. Sure. So it's like, oh. Well, it's out. They'll get here when they get here. When you here. get a chance. Yeah. 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 When, it, when it's convenient, just. Right. And then now <laughs> it's just the opposite. You have oh, yeah. We, well, the minute. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Our, our reliability is consistently 99.98. Mm. And we try to get four nines. Sometimes we can get five nines. But we're consistently 99.98 or better. Sure, and if you ask the same people that you get upset about power outage, it's like name one other thing in your life that is that reliable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And if we're ever at point nine six, that's a terrible year for us. Sure, and that's a big storm somewhere. Sure, you know, like March of twelve or August of fifteen. Right, those suck because our four nines go down to three nines and a six. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's not acceptable. Yeah, I remember and that one in 12 was a really heavy wet seven, snow. Seven Brutal. days of heavy wet yep. snow, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. We were out of power for, yeah, I think three days. I mean, that's the longest I ever remember being out mm-hmm. without yeah. power for. Yeah, we had some people out seven days. Yeah. yeah. Just some, just a handful. I, I think yeah. for that one, I never lost power. I didn't either. No. And then for August of 15, I didn't lose it either, but that storm was well north of me. Yeah. No, that was more Leona County yeah. mostly. And then the, but I do remember um, a friend of mine, his parents were out for, like you said, seven days and mm-hmm. they had a, I had a generator they had to borrow. But yeah. I think for me, the long, and I'm out down by Carlin in mm-hmm. Lindsay County. Yep. And uh, the longest I was ever out, it was way back, like three days, and some storm had ripped through Thompsonville. Mm hmm. And yeah, but I think, but again, that was 15 years ago or something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I've had that. I've had personally really good experience with reliability. Yeah. Well, we're glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, you can Facebook us now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll you can email us now. We have a yeah. lot of faster options than sending a letter or a postcard. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming the checks in the mail. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So while you're in, you can grab a phone. Stack of power outage postcards. Mail one in if your power goes out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if this... I think it was Charlie who used to tell us this story, but it used to be that they would assign one lineman's wife to go to take the calls. And so anybody who had an outage would call that lineman's wife, and then she'd meet a line truck at a gas station and let them know where all they needed to go next because she was the person taking all the calls. Have you ever heard that story? Not that particular story, but... Yeah, in a wow. different state in a different time, I did have those calls go to my house. Oh, even better. Yeah. We'll put yeah. Tony's we'll put Tony's home number on this little, podcast. A little Radio Shack diverter hanging on the wall at the office. So you leave the office at 4 o'clock and you hit the diverter oh, and, and all the calls go. Because we had no call center, small co-op in Wyoming. Oh, wow. So I would take wow. them or my wife would take them. In Wyoming. Yeah. That's crazy. I went through Wyoming. First time I ever actually drove through Wyoming was a couple of years ago. You really get an appreciation for wide yeah. open spaces. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. 
The, the running joke, which I've told <clears throat> dozens of times, is we had one chainsaw at the co-op in Wyoming, and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. necessary. Man, there was, I mean, there are just amazing stretches with nothing. Yep. I've never been out there. I know you have, though. Yeah. Yeah, I lived out. I lived in Utah for a few years, so okay. I, I drove, drove across Wyoming yep. a couple different times. Yep. No, we have automated meters here that we can read from the office, so we know what's going on at your mm-hmm. house. Out there, we just went on a hill and looked for Mike's yard yard light. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. Tom's yard light. Uh, that's like yeah. uh, that's yeah, like the, <laughs> so when we did the uh, airport in Minot, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. We were up there once and. It's so flat, uh, you know, one of the guys was up there, he's like, hey, you can watch your dog run away for three days. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And your wife. And yeah. your wife. And right. your kids. Exactly. Yeah. It's still going. I can still yeah. see them. It's still going. It's very flat. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you were talking, Rachel, about, you know, how people here take that personally. I remember your last podcast, you have a guy retiring. We sure do. We do. Jim we're, Carpenter, well, yes. That's right, yeah. yeah. The legend. He, he thinks he's retiring. Yeah. We're really getting rid of him. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, time. Yeah. it's time. So if you see him, tell him congratulations on the retirement. The retirement. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember you, you guys were talking about that specifically, how mm-hmm. like, oh, he takes it really personally. It's, yeah. Oh, he, he does, of, yeah. Yeah. And what, so what did he, what is he doing right now here? Well, right now he is retiring as our safety director and line superintendent. So he oversees all of our maintenance contractors and um, also our safety program. But he started on a tree crew. So he was a tree trimmer when he got started. If you mean this very minute, I just saw him on with a tool belt on. He's trying to fill his time this week. Probably fixing a toilet somewhere. Fixing a toilet or or some piece of mechanical equipment downstairs. Other duties is assigned is the best way to describe Jim's tenure at Trying to keep busy so he can... Well, yes, that's the bottom of every job description. Other yeah, duties. Other yeah. 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 Assigned. Yeah. Well, when you first started at GLS, you were you started finishing, right? Yeah. Yep. So right out no, in the shop. No, Terry had the – now, that was a really good thing he did. He put me out in the shop. In fact, uh, Rob, who was the shop supervisor at the time, he, was a little, he just thought I was another finisher a day and a half later when he found out I was actually the son-in-law who was yeah, well, out there. He's like, oh, you didn't tell me. I was like, I'm just grinding tubs, man. Ex- explain that a little bit. You're – who Terry is, so our listeners know who yes, Terry is. Yes, yep. And, so Terry, and Terry what it's Burton, like to uh, follow the, a legend like Terry Burton. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, I can't really. Uh, you know, some shoes you can't fill. You just kind of have to uh, well, try and shuffle along. But uh, you're filling them. You're filling them. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that, but uh, Terry is. Um, he started Great Lake Stainless um, and owned it, and so we just just uh, at the very end of last year, uh, my wife and I bought it from him. So now we own it, but. Um, yeah, he brought me up. I was down uh, in Grand Rapids actually doing real estate appraisals, but he said, hey, if you ever wanted an opportunity, I don't want to do this forever. You want to come up and learn the business? I said, well, I don't want to look back and think, uh, what if I would have done that? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my wife and I, my my family was up, my parents were up here in Traverse City, so um, we decided to take a chance and move back and leave the world of real estate and finance and go into manufacturing. It's, uh, it's been a great move. But so when he came up here, Terry said, you know, um, you should go out and start. So the first six months I spent on the shop floor, just moved from department to department, learned how to weld a little bit, learned about the guys who were working out on the floor, um, you know, grinding grinding tubs. I know what it's like to have my head inside a tub and run a grinder down the weld and, um, you know, all that stuff. I never got any good at any of it, but at least I had some <laughs> idea of, uh, of, of what it entailed. I'm not good at anything electrically <laughs> yeah, either. Right. Uh, so that was, I mean, that was just a great experience really. Um, you know, gave me an opportunity to get to know the the 
guys and gals on the shop floor who are uh, actually doing the doing the work, building the stuff, mm -hmm. you know, um, making the things for the customers and that uh, people around the world. You know, I mean, we do serving counters and ticket ticket counters for airports. So uh, the stuff we build, um, you know, hospital room or operating room cabinets. Yeah. So um, you know, it's it's kind of nice to have. You feel like you're making a difference mm -hmm. um, every day with the things you make. I mean, they're going out there. They're going to be kind of an integral part of people's lives, you know, whether they're traveling or eating or, um, you know, in a hospital. Uh, you know, they're around we our stuff. We think the so. same about electricity. Yes, exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. You, can't make that, you can't make that incision if you don't have lights. So right, sure. yeah. correct. So how, I have a question. So we kind of talked a little bit about some technologies that are going to change our industry a little, but I hear so much about kind of this, like, industry 4.0 and the changes in manufacturing. So how do you think technology is going to change what you do? Well, I think from my perspective, because I deal a lot with inventory, um, we use uh, QR codes and iPads mm -hmm. to monitor and replenish inventory. And, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't really get any easier than that. I mean, I know there's real big, huge companies out there have automated purchasing and everything like that. Uh, but, you know, that definitely for us and a lot of the the guys on the floor who aren't familiar with that level of technology i go out and explain yeah just if you get low on that part flip this card around scan the qr code and it'll be here in a couple of days and they're just really yeah really <laughs> <laughs> it's you know so yeah. for me that's where i see it it's yeah a, it's interesting that... too though because what you're saying is that for people who maybe they got into a job because they had a, a mechanical skill set mm -hmm. that that now they also need to have this at least a competency with basic technology right sure you know how to scan and submit and all that right yep absolutely right. and and then some of the other things um you know you just got to keep your eyes open because you can't always tell where it's going to come from uh you know we have two lasers right now our original laser which is a co2 laser which is just the um that's what kind of resonator it has um and those lasers have been around for 30 or 40 years they're reliable and well known it was an industry standard um but uh, and if anybody's interested in owning a very fine CO2 laser, <laughs> apparently have one for sale. Uh, because one of the technologies that came out um, is the fiber laser technology. And within a matter of years, it completely changed the in uh, industry. Um, and so we, we bought one. You know, we just recently had to make that investment, uh, which was a very, very good one. But the cut speed, you know, on 18-gauge stainless, mm -hmm. for example, was literally 10 times faster. It's not an incremental improvement. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we used to cut it you know, 180 inches a minute, and now we're cutting at 1,800 inches a minute. I mean, wow. the speed is uh, just phenomenally different. There's not a – so technologies like that, you know, you see those come along. Um, they're not terribly optional. Or, or optional. I mean, yeah, that's you just, a – you you Yes, yeah. you can't do it, you know. Well, Travis, you were showing me just the other day a bunch of metrics you were looking at for marketing, and I was surprised how – you know, intensive and comprehensive. Oh, right? just the, the free Google stuff. Just yeah. Google Analytics, AdWords campaigns, everything like that. You know, it's mm -hmm. you can get so in-depth with that stuff. You know, the the search console, mm -hmm. you know, and, it, and it's just like, it's invaluable, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, and really with the data, I mean, even though we're making, you know, I mean, we're welding, we're a weld shop and cheap metal and brake presses. Um, you know, one of the markets, that decorative metals market we were talking about, that's because um, over the past few years we've been really disciplined uh, with our data as far as coding it and tracking it. And that gave us the opportunity to, um, the ability to see in there where we had some opportunities mm -hmm. where we had higher margins and we could record the feedback and you could see that and graphs and charts. So we do that throughout the organization, a lot of data, data management, including, 
you know, on the marketing end, some traditional stuff that you might see, but we're doing that same thing with our uh, our own internal our own internal data as right. far as what yeah, kind of from, what, how much money we're making on different different business because we have a number of different um, you know market areas that we that we work in. So being able to track those and uh, you know understand them and see them change over time and really look for the opportunities has been uh, just invaluable. That's really cool. I think I mean, we don't have time to get into this, but I think that data in general is changing is just putting so much. Sure awesome but like real like momentum pressure on so many different industries we definitely see it here i mean think about the fact that today i have access to minute by minute usage data for every single endpoint on my system <laughs> wow that taking doing something with that data itself is takes a tremendous amount of computing power but if you get it right the predictive power of that is it's awesome, right? Right. So, Doesn't that mean we know what's going on inside your home? We just know <laughs> yeah. how much energy you're using. It, it also doesn't mean we care. But right. yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. We don't have time. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Time. Yeah, but it's that's cool. I'm, I was surprised at how specific a lot of that, the information you were mm-hmm. able to, it was available. I mean, down to the demographics and even, oh, I mean, you showed me, well, this person clicked and went right back. They didn't spend any time on the page, but this person clicked on this page and this one and this one. And it just amazes me how, yeah. how detailed it can get. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. It's, I never really got into it until probably about three or four months ago, really heavily into it. And yeah, it's, it's valuable tools for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because you can start to figure out, I, can, I, have, I have two marketing dollars. Yeah. I can spend them to reach someone who's not actually interested in my product, or exactly. I can spend them to reach, or I can reach five someone's who aren't interested, or one someone who is. Exactly. And that's incredibly mm-hmm. a, a powerful way to use your marketing resources. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, guys, this has been a super fun podcast. I'm kind of glad you decided to come over and hang out with us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, us too. Yeah. We might, yep. we might have to do it. another one absolutely. sometime. Sure, you bet. I think so. Um, I, I appreciate the, the time, and I'm going to give one last shout-out for listeners of both podcasts. If you are a current Co-op Energy Talk listener, I encourage you to go over and check out Mirror Finish, Thank you. the Great Lakes Stainless Podcast. And if you are a Mirror Finish listener and you think energy is cool, then I encourage you to come hang out with us and check out Co-op Energy Talk. Thanks again, yeah. guys. Yeah, thank All you right, so thank much. you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys.